you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. Can you say amen? Come on, can you say amen? John chapter 5. John chapter 5. I give you your pastor honor today. Uh, Thanks for this opportunity to preach. I don't take it lightly every time I get to stand before you and bring what I feel that the Lord has laid on my heart. And I believe that I've heard from God, and uh, I want to share with you what he laid on my heart. John chapter 5, beginning at verse number 2. The Bible says, Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool. Everybody say a pool. Which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk. A blind, halt, withered, waiting. Everybody say waiting. Waiting for the moving of the water. I just want to pause here and say that today if you're waiting for the waters to be troubled, you don't have to wait any longer. The Lord is in the house today. They were waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool. And troubled the water, whosoever then first after the troubling of the water stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease they had. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been a long time in that case, He saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? I stand before you this morning and I look at people all across this building that you've struggled and you're facing things in your life and you're facing infirmity and you've dealt with the same thing over and over again. And I pose you the question that Jesus posed this man, Wilt thou be made whole? Wilt thou be made whole? I want to preach to you for the next few moments on this subject. It won't be this way tomorrow. It won't be this way tomorrow. I want you to turn to three people. I want you to look them, at, look them in the eye and say, it won't be this way tomorrow. Now, I wonder if you put your Bibles down and you would clap your hands as vigorously as you can and you would lift your voice and you begin to shout unto God. Come on, I wish somebody would shout unto God this morning.
Praise God. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. The text we, that we have just read is a powerful representation of the power and the authority of Almighty God. This story takes place in Jerusalem at a pool called Bethesda. You see, Bethesda was in the middle of the town of Jerusalem. It was a sheep pool. There were The Bible tells us that there were five porches that were constructed around this pool. And the Bible tells us that these porches were full of lame and blind and withered in all manner of afflictions. It was a situation that if you were laying at the pool of Bethesda, that you were identified by which porch that you laid on. There were people laying in the midst on what identified them. They were identified by the porch that they laid on if they were blind. They were lay on the porch with the blind folk. If they were withered in their body, they would lay on the porch with the withered people. And if they were, if they were lame in their feet, then they would lay on that particular porch. There were people laying in the midst of that pool that were identified by the porch that they laid on. They were in a place where life was going on around them, yet there were no hospitals and there were no doctors to make them whole. There were five different reasons for them to be there, and none of them were reasons that any of us in this place would want to have because if they were laying by the pool, they had a serious problem in their lives. If they were laying by the pool, then things were desperate in their lives. They were all lame. They were all blind. And they were all impotent in some way. They all had different reasons to be there, yet they all shared the same result because they were blind and they were lame and they were withered. But they all were stuck in the middle of their situation. Bethesda was a holding place for people who weren't really dead, but I dare to say that they also weren't really alive. There was no commerce. There was no dealings. There wasn't much sign of life around that pool. But it was really, it, but it really wasn't necessarily a cemetery either. It was a holding place for people that every day of their lives they lived and they enjoyed every moment and they celebrated the very fact that they had survived through just one more night in this kind of environment. It wasn't uncommon to lose somebody every single day. It wasn't uncommon to wake up and to see George or to see Susie was no longer with them because they had died on that porch by the pool in their circumstances. But they celebrated just just because that they had made it one more day. When they woke up in the morning, there was a renewed vigor in their life that although they were sick and although that they were hopeless, that they were alive to live another day. So in a place that your day 
Your, your day and your exit from that life could have come at any time. Your focus was not on getting better, but your focus was on simply surviving. If you could just make it through one more night, you didn't care necessarily about getting better. You didn't necessarily care or concern yourself with being made whole. You didn't care so much about getting off the porch that you were laying on, but you just wanted to be sure that you were still alive for the next day. You just wanted to make, make sure that you were able to draw your next breath the next day. I've come to preach to somebody in this place this morning and tell you that the enemy has played with your mind and he has tried to make you believe that you are what you are facing right now is always going to be the normal. It's always going to be what you have to go through, but you have to change. You have to change your affection from desiring to be made whole, and you've gone into survival mode, and you're just surviving day after day. You have come to a season of life that if you can just make it through one more service, if you can just make it through one more Sunday, you're not really alive, but you're not really dead either. I, I, I don't care about getting better. I don't care about digging out of this de this depression. I don't care about climbing out of all of this oppression. I just got to know that I can make it one more day. But too many of us living like that. The psychology and the pathology of this place called Bethesda and this pool begins to set in one's mind that because I'm here, this is what my life is always going to be like. Anybody ever felt that way, that you've struggled and you've fought the enemy day after day and week after week and month after month and you come into service and you leave the same way that you came and you just begin to think that it's just going to be my lot in life. It's just always going to be this way for me. Or in other words, it's making the best out of a bad situation. I'm still married, but we're not really happy. I'm still in church, but I don't really feel feel saved. I'm still coming to service, but I don't feel like committing myself. I don't care about going any deeper as long as I can come and just feel God. You see, some are satisfied with still having a roof over their head. And they don't care and they don't really notice the fact that the roof is leaking and it's riding the structure at its very core. It's riding the structure down to the ground. They don't care about fixing the leak as long as they just have some sort of shelter over their head. I feel like telling somebody here this morning that God didn't just come for you to have life. It's not the will of God for you just to live your life in the house of God where the answer to every question in your life can be found. And for you to die in the dilemma that you are in today, He didn't come to just give you life, but He came that you could have life more abundantly.
take you across town and we could go into the hospital and we could walk down the halls and we could walk through the intensive care unit and we could see people who are on life support, whose, whose life is being sustained by machinery. And if you looked at the monitors that are there beside their bed, the evidence of life would be there. The heart is still beating. The lungs are still taking in oxygen and putting, pushing out carbon dioxide, even if it's a machine doing the work for them. The monitor there shows that there is brain activity. But the question is, are they alive? Are they just alive or are they living? Hear me today. The question that I pose to everybody in this house today is, are you alive? Are you just going through the motions? Are you here in this place and you're really dying inside and you're thinking, if I could just somehow get through this day and if I could just somehow get through this service, I think I'll make it. Are you alive or are you living? Are you living to the potential that God has for you? Are you you living in the promise that God has for your life. The Lord dealt with me so powerfully last night here at the church. And in prayer, told me that there would be some people here today that are just here to exist. They are plugged in to Holy Ghost life support. They don't really care if they get healed. They don't really care about climbing out of the dilemma that they are in. As long as they're alive, they feel like they are doing what they need to be doing. They feel like if they just were able to get out of bed this morning and put their feet on the floor, that they're doing everything that they can and doing what they think is right. But I've come to preach to somebody today and tell you that God wants to restore your hopes. God wants to restore your dreams. I've come to preach to somebody who you are tired of the devil walking all over your marriage. You're tired of the devil walking all over your kids and your family. And I declare that in the name of Jesus Christ, I may have been this way until now, but it won't be this way tomorrow. I wish somebody would stand on that promise this morning and say it's not always going to be this way. I'm not always going to struggle like this, but God is getting ready to move in my life. Come on, somebody clap your hands and give him praise. Come on, if you believe that, lift your voice and give God a shout of praise. Now you may be saying, Pastor Danny, you don't understand. I've just had to finally come to grips with the fact that this is the way that life's going to be for me. I want to tell you right now that I rebuke that in Jesus' name. I rebuke that way of thinking. 
I rebuke that. Come on, that's it. I rebuke that way of talking. It's not always going to be this way. If you start talking like that, then guess what, sir? It's always going to be that way. But if you'll stand in the midst of what you're going through and say, I know that I may be by the pool today, but I know where my help comes from. And I know that tomorrow there's a Savior that's going to come walking by, and he's going to he's going to touch me, and he's going to bring me out. Jesus came to Mary and to Martha. They were heartbroken. One of them said, if you had just been here, this wouldn't have happened. You'd have just come when we called for you. Then my brother would have never died. But the other one said, I have hope, and my hope is in the future. Jesus said, You don't know that the resurrection that you are looking for has come to walk among you. And he looked at them and he said, I am the resurrection and I am the life. You're waiting for a resurrection to come sometime in your future. But Jesus was saying, the resurrection is here right now. I'm standing before you and I've come to tell somebody, you're waiting for it to happen in the future. But God is in this place and he is ready to trouble the waters. He is ready. next statement he makes to Mary and Martha, he said, I want you to take me to where you laid him. Pastor, he said, I want you to take me to where you buried him. Take me to that place. He said, I want you to take me to that place where you stopped believing. I want you to take me to the place where you stopped believing that I could resurrect him. I want you to take me to that place where you lost all hope. I want, to, I want you to take me to that place where you gave up on me and you thought I was never coming. I want you to take me to that place because it's at that place, it's at that moment that I do my greatest work. It is at that place where your faith has ran out and you're about to give up that I come and I work in your life. Take me to that place. I want to tell you this morning that resurrection happens in your life when you are willing to go back to the place where you stopped believing. Resurrection happens when you go back to that place where you lost all hope. It happens when you go back to that place where you thought that you could never come out of. And you say, Lord, I know it may be this right now, but I declare in the Holy Ghost this morning that it will not be this way tomorrow. I'm not going to lay on this porch till I die. I'm not going to give up hope that it's never going to happen for me. But I know that it won't last Always. You're here this morning. 
just kind of going through the motions. And really, you, and, and, and it, you look good on the outside. And I can speak to you about this because we've all been there. You look good on the outside and you try to put on a facade and you come in and you sing and you clap and you raise your hands when the leader asks you to raise your hands and you clap when the leader asks you to clap and you know when to say amen and you know just how to act like an apostolic. You know how, it, how to act like everything is going good in your life but on the inside. your very core you're thinking I gotta I gotta just survive one more day because if I can survive today tomorrow's a new day and it's gonna be a grind and it's gonna be a fight tomorrow but if I could just get past today then I can just get past tomorrow and I can just get past and we never we never make plans on God stepping in and saying enough is enough. We, we like to think that he can do it. We say that he can do it. But we've been here so long that we have lost all faith and we have lost all hope. But I've come with good news this morning to tell you that when your hope runs out and when your faith runs out and when you feel like throwing in the towel, that's the point where God says, ah, you got to have me, and I'm coming in, I'm stepping in, and I'm going to create something out of this mess. I'm going to bring you out. Come on, do you believe that this morning? Come on, I wish you would respond like you believe that this morning. Some of the torture of Bethesda was the fact that they were so close. They were close enough to commerce. They were close enough to communion, social communion, to see it take place and happen. But they were not close enough to get involved. Everyone around you is down, then down becomes the normal. But when you are down and you can see up, it is a horrible place to be. Because you're down and you see everybody else around you. And they're going on through life, and everything's fine, and everything's good, and they're blessed. Their jobs are blessed. Their finances are blessed. Their family is blessed. It seems like that everything they touch is blessed. While I'm down here in my situation, laying on a porch, 
being identified but what is ailing me, being identified but what by what has got me bound. And I can see everybody else is blessed. Everybody, And then a mindset sets in. And you just begin to get down on yourself. And you begin to get down on God. You begin to give up and say, what is the use? There, I know that the water is troubled once a year, but what is the use? I can't even get there. Everybody else beats me to it. your downtrodden place. A place where everybody around you is broken and you just seem to fit in. When you're close enough to see healing, but you choose rather to stay broken. Life, activities, taking place all around you but on the other side of the street they're picking their wounds and they're putting things on their eyes just to keep the flies away because death seems to be surrounding them and, and the creatures around them just be, seem to be circling and waiting for that moment just to take place they're just surviving. It is a subculture inside of Jerusalem. Now, not everybody in Jerusalem, Jerusalem is like that, but some can live in Jerusalem and be resigned to the fact that they're going to live like that. There's a subculture, let me say it like this, there's a subculture in the church of the living God. You see, not everybody's down. Not everybody is struggling. Not everybody has given up. But there are some who have. There are some that still believe that God is able to do what He said He would do. But there are few that somewhere along the way you stop believing that. You stop believing that God could do what He said He would do. You gave up hope and you are resigned to the mindset that it's just always going to be this way. If I die like this, then I die like this. But I have come to declare in the name of Jesus Christ this morning that hope is being restored to somebody's life right now in the house while I'm preaching to you. Faith is being restored. Healing is coming back to your vocabulary. It's time to get up off the porch. You're not identified by your condition because you won't be this way tomorrow. Somebody say it ain't always going to be like this. You see, Bethesda will mess with your mind. I'm anointed, but I just feel like something is missing. But I'm all right. Don't mess with me. I'm all right as long as I'm anointed. Let me tell you something. It doesn't matter how anointed you are. You can sing all you want to sing. Canaries know how to sing. 
but they're still in a cage. You can worship all you want to worship, and you can act like everything is good, but you're still in that pit of despair. You're still struggling with that depression. You're still struggling with that oppression. You still give in to those temptations. You're still addicted, and you don't know how you'll ever get out. You can declare things. Hear me today. You can declare things with your mouth. You can say, I believe it. And you can say, it's going to happen. But it is possible to declare things with your mouth that you don't believe and that you don't live out in your own life. Mind if I get real with you? We say that we believe it. We say, I know that today could be the day. We say, I know, I know that God can heal me. I know that the Word of God says that by His stripes I am healed. I, I know that the Word of God said, declares that I will be the head and I will not be the tail. We know everything to say, but really, in our heart of hearts, we don't really believe it because we've resigned ourselves to be laying in a porch by the pool of Bethesda, being identified by our circumstances. But somebody in this place needs to arise to a position that you haven't been in a long time and start declaring the word of the Lord. Not only declare it, but believe that he'll do what he said he would do. You see, you can tell people about the delivering delivering power of Jesus. You can witness to them. You can do all of that and be just as messed up and addicted as they are. But you just dress differently. You're wearing a suit. You're wearing a tie. That dress is so-so. Your hair's fixed just so-so. You can surround yourself with blindness. But don't expect to see if blind people are all who you hang out with. You can hang out with people with severe addictions. But don't expect to be different than they are when that's the people that you choose to hang out with. You can hang out with people that will backbite the church and backbite the leadership and tear down and eat everybody for lunch, but don't you expect to affect them and cause them to to stop doing that because you're allowing yourself to be affected by those whom you hang out with. Young people, let me talk to you real quick. That's why it's important who your friends are. That's why it's important that when you choose a person to date, that you're dating within the church. Don't reach out and say, well, I can bring them in because most likely they're going to just bring you out. It matters. It matters. It matters who you align yourself with. I I think that everybody in this place needs to just reevaluate who your friends are. Reevaluate who you're allowed to speak into your life and make some decisions here on this Sunday morning and say, I choose to align myself with people of faith. 
make a decision. Come on, friend me. Make a decision. Listen to me. I have a lot of friends that don't believe like I do. I have a lot of friends that don't have the same ideals that I have. They don't have the same, they don't desire the same things for their life that I desire. And we're friends. Scotty and we go out to eat every once in a while, but guess what? We don't vacation together. Hello? We don't spend every waking moment together. Why is that? Because I realize that I've got to align myself with people that are going to hold me up, not tear me down. I gotta align myself with people that are willing when they see me struggling and they see me laying on that porch. They're willing to get on their knees and they're getting, they're willing to reach down and pick me up. And when my legs don't work right and when my legs are not strong enough to hold my body weight, they'll be there with their arms wrapped around me and say, "Don't worry about it. I've got you. I'm holding. Take as much time as you need. I'm right here and I've got you. Got you. I've got you. I've got." You. Hastening to a close today. You are who you identify with. The problem is that we have built a system of survival based on what will not go away. Instead of surrounding ourselves with strong people who can help us pray ourselves out of this thing. We surround ourselves with people that have become content to live just like we're living. We've decided to just surround ourselves with people that will just tell us that you're okay, that you're doing everything okay, that you're, you're fine, it's, you, you're just struggling, and it's going to be fine, and, and, and they're content with, with you being there because it gives them comfort, because that's exactly where they want to be. I don't know about you this morning, but I don't have any time for somebody that's going to drag me down. I'm not, I, I don't have time to live my life at a level for someone else so that they feel better about themselves, but I, I've got to get my life in order. I've got to surround myself with people that are going to think like I think and they're going to believe like I believe and that when I don't have any faith, they have faith for me. I'm preaching today to that spirit that has been whispering in your ear and telling you that this is the way it's always going to be. I want to tell you right now that I defy that spirit in Jesus' name. I defy that. I rebuke it. I come against every spirit that is whispering in your ear, telling you that you're always going to be sick, telling you that you're always going to struggle, that you're always going to be depressed. I rebuke that in Jesus' name. And I declare to you, and I declare in the spirit, that it will not always be this way. Come. The Bible tells us that the power of life and death are in the tongue. You see, we possess the ability to speak things into existence with our mouth. That's why pastor and different evangelists, they say, if you're struggling, open up your mouth and you speak to it. Because the Bible says that the power of 
life and death are in the tongue. You can look at that situation. You can speak to it. You can look at that mountain. You can talk to it. And you can demand it to be removed and cast into the sea. And it will happen. We can speak all all sorts of things in our life. Hear this. We can also speak things into our life that are far worse than anything that the enemy could bring against us. We speak things that the devil don't even know about us until we have opened our mouth and made it public knowledge. We think that the enemy has the ability to read our minds. Let me tell you, he does not. I said he doesn't. He doesn't know what the struggle of your mind is. He doesn't know the temptation that is in your mind. He doesn't know. He doesn't know these things. But it becomes knowledge to him when you open up your mouth and you begin to speak about those things, you begin to speak those things into existence, then he knows that's exactly where I want you to be. But we speak all sorts of things into our lives. But today... We need to make up in our minds and I'm not going to speak things over my life that are contrary to the Word and to the will of God. If His Word declares that by His stripes we are healed, then we are healed by the stripes that He took on on His back. His Word declares that no weapon that is formed against me will prosper. No weapon formed against me will prosper. Listen to me. You have the power today to open up your mouth and tell that spirit of infirmity that you've spent your last day in my house. You have the power and you have the right to tell that spirit of addiction you spent your last day in my house. Somebody in this place needs to look the enemy in the face and declare I won't be this way tomorrow. the blind porch. You have the lame porch. The Bible tells us of five porches. And whatever most closely identified your dysfunction, that was the porch you would choose to lay on. When people walked by, they didn't have to wonder what was wrong with you because you have resigned yourself to a place that you are all right with being identified by your dysfunction. But God has sent me here to preach to somebody who needs to be set free from something that has happened in your past. 
something that calls you to be wounded, something that calls blindness, something that calls you to be withered. You've got to get past what happened in your past. You have to refuse to be, you have refused it to this point to be free because you already know how much pain it will take and cause from you to get up from your porch. If you stay on the porch, then you don't have to hurt anymore. You understand it. But I feel like telling somebody today what Jesus told Nicodemus when he said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. And if you've been born again and you are a new creature in Christ, then what happened to you in your flesh cannot define you after you decide in your spirit that I am sick of this porch. I am sick and tired of the way that I've been living. I'm sick and tired of this addiction. I'm sick and tired of the struggle. I'm sick and tired of the pain. you of some things that you have been through in your life because we've all been through it. That while you were in it, now you can look back on it and say that I thought for sure that it was going to kill me. You've been through some things that you thought were going to ruin your life and ruin your family. And now you can look back over that thing that God brought you through and you thought that you thought was going to take you out, but it has actually made you into who you are today. It has made you into the worst nightmare that the devil could have ever thought of. You got You've got a praise today that you didn't have then. You've got victory that you didn't have then. You can't despise what you've been through, what God has brought you through, because you are still standing. You should have lost your mind. You should have lost your life. But God kept you, and God brought you through. You could have never done it on your own. But if it had not been for the Lord who it was on my side. I looked back over my life and I did yesterday sitting in the office. And I looked back over everything that he has brought me through. Those times where I said, that's it. I can't take it anymore. Those times where secretly inside I felt like walking away from ministry because it just wasn't going like I thought it should go. Those times that I cried myself to sleep at night where I'd get up from my bed and I would go into the living room and I'd get on the couch and I'd cover up with a blanket so that my wife didn't know that I was weeping. Because I was struggling inside. And I thought for sure this was the end of the line. 
I thought for sure that my ministry was over. I thought for sure that my life was over. And I begin to recall time after time after time that God brought me through, that God stepped in. I was content with laying on that porch and feeling sorry for myself and saying it's just always going to be this way. But somewhere along the line, there came a Savior walking down the road, and he looked at me. He said, buddy, do you want to be made whole? I can help you. Do you want to be made whole? ask you in this place today wilt thou be made whole Jesus walked up to the man laying at the pool and he asked him wilt thou be made whole I used to think pastor that this the answer to this question was a no brainer 38 years of struggle brother Spencer 38 years in the same condition, laying on the same porch, day after day, watching the same people going on with their lives. Used to think it was a no-brainer. But let's take a close look. I was drawn to the man's reply. Let's look at it together. He said, I have no man. Do you want to be made whole? I have no man that when the water is troubled to put me in the water so I can be made whole. He started blaming everybody else around him for why he was not being healed. He tried to point fingers as to why there was nobody to put him in the water when it was time for him to be healed. Jesus said, I didn't ask you. I didn't ask you if you had a man. I didn't ask you if you had somebody to pick you up. I didn't ask you why you've been here so long. What I was asking was, do you want to get up off this porch? Listen, it doesn't matter. He said, it doesn't matter to me how long it's been going on. It doesn't matter who your parents were and what they have done. And what matters to me is that you want to be made whole. You can either be defined by your dysfunction or you can stand to your feet this Sunday morning and declare it will not be this way tomorrow. I'm not staying on this porch another day. Today is my final day. I will be made whole. getting ready to move into the time here at the altar. Lord God, I believe that God's going to do amazing things this morning. Jesus said, then rise, take up thy bed, and walk. Do you know why that Jesus told him to take up his bed? Because Jesus knew that if he left the bed on that porch, that later that night he'd be tempted to go back and lay down again. 
And he'd be, he'd be tempted to just go back to what he always knew and what, what felt comfortable and, and that place of familiarity. But he said, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to leave you like that. I want you, to, I want you to remove the very thing that has been holding you. I want you to remove that very thing that has been your crutch, that has been your place that you would just lay down and be content with being lame and being blind. You have, you have to remove the option to ever go back to the state that God delivered you from. you got to make up in your mind that there is no plan B. You have have to get up from where you are and walk into your healing. Walk into your deliverance. You have to get rid of the things that used to identify you as something that you are not. In this place, I open these altars. And if you, if I preach to you and you have been identified by what has you bound and you've been identified by your addiction and you've been identified by your infirmity, I invite you to the front of this building and to lift your hands and to lift your voice and declare, I may have been this way, but it's been long enough. I refuse to spend another day in this pool by this pool. I, I refuse to spend another day on this porch of infirmity. Come on, would you come? Would you come? God wants to break your chains this morning. God wants to heal you this morning. God wants to deliver you this morning. God wants to fill you with the Holy Ghost this morning.